Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is a real treat you're about to hear. Rory had a great conversation with actor writer Claire Dunn a couple of weeks ago, and we are putting it out to the general public now. But a little bit of housekeeping before we get there. We try to keep all our podcasts free. We try to make them all available as quickly as we can. But the only way we can do that is some of you chip in and pay it forward and keep this platform viable. The way we need you to do that is the link in the podcast that you're listening to right now. It says patreon.com forward slash tortoise Click on the link. See if there's a level that matches your budget and you can help us keep these podcasts coming all through 2023. You get tons of additional content for that, and they're all plea free. So, all our podcasts in one place, and you don't have to listen to me beg. And unfortunately, begging is where we are nowadays. We understand it's tough out there, and that some of you don't have it. But if you're one of the lucky ones, please help us keep the show on the road, and we continue to keep these mics on. So, one more time patreon.com forward slash tortoise I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn, and I'm delighted to have with me today a very famous actor, writer, uh, inspiring person who I met recently in just before Christmas, and it is Claire Dunn. Claire, thank you so much for coming on Reboot Republic. No worries. Great to be here. <laughs> it is absolutely fantastic to have you, and... Um, it's a privilege to have you here um, and listeners will probably know Claire from perhaps her award-winning uh, movie herself or Kin as well, which is one of the more recent um, shows or many other. You've done lots and lots of theatre and mm-hmm. um, yeah. movies and all sorts in Ireland. <laughs> and I met you at um, the... It was Amnesty International were holding an event in Temple Bar on the right to housing just before Christmas. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and I heard you speak and I was like, you were very, very impressive. And, I, and I'd, you know, um, been following some of the your work and it's it's great to see, I suppose, someone, and particularly around the movie of herself, engaging in housing and homelessness, which is something that, mm. you know, I'm very, very concerned and passionate about. And I know my listeners are too. Um, so delighted to have you here. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks a million. Um, and before we start, I'm going to give a shout out to Steel Wall has, is a musician, um, who has a new song out called More Blacks, More Dogs, More Irish. It is a fantastic song. Um, if you can go have a listen to it, share it around. It is, um, I was listening to it this morning and some of the lines are really powerful in it. It talks about, there's a shadow over Ireland about the shadow of racism and, but incredibly talks, it's about our memory and have we forgotten our history? Um, and about, you know, when famine ships left and he also talks about homelessness. And I think we're all deeply upset by, um, the protests that are going on at the moment being organized by the far right uh, in our communities and the manipulation of, um, I suppose, the fear, not just fears, but the suffering that people have gone through around homelessness and lack of housing been manipulated and turned against migrants, immigrants, refugees, of course, who did not cause the crisis. Um, it was our government and government's policies and we need to redirect uh, the anger at the real cause and also show that there are solutions and there are enough housing and homes for everyone. 
and we are a welcoming country and we will continue to be that and that is the people we are so we will be talking more about that again um in podcasts to come and uh, thank you to all the amazing work being done by the likes of east wall for all and ballymun for all and, and that um and this is not who we are claire maybe to start um what got you into being interested in the area of you know housing homelessness I would say social justice in a broad sense, because mm-hmm. you are, it's not just something maybe you're interested, you believe in that and you're mm-hmm. passionate about it, about the way society is. Yeah, well, I think um, all all my life as an actor, I do this thing where I would always look at the cultural context of the characters that I'm playing. And that ended up in me being um, interested in reading books like there was a book that I was crazy about when I was in my 20s um, called The Spirit Level and it was just about um, yeah how equality of of everything can like solve so much um, but like things so like funny. that I yeah. was waiting for what book is she going to say like I wonder will I know it and you do <laughs> of course you do <laughs> of course you do listeners will go that's one of the books that I rant about oh is it and uh, I rant so about funny. it as well snap snap that is uh, Brilliant. Go on. Yeah, go on. no, I just find things like that really um, helpful when you're trying to understand context. So I read that book during a time when I was working with Phila Lloyd, who actually then directed herself. But we were creating a piece that was Shakespe- Shakespearean, but it was actually that we were all women. And what we did was we set it up as if we were women in prison doing like a drama workshop thing where we then put on a play. Yeah. And the play then is the Shakespeare play, right? So yeah. it's kind of a play within a play. So that was real a time of awakening about. Um, how stories and drama and acting, all this kind of stuff can like really uh, be involved in the narration of who we are, but also be part of like workshops and like community work and all that kind of thing, which I've always known anyway. And in fact, my mom's auntie used to work in Mountjoy for years, like right okay. up into her 70s. So it's in me somewhere in my DNA. Yeah. Um, uh, it does always come from somewhere. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Just that feeling that um, there's more to this storytelling uh then I realised and I think I always kind of had a feeling about that. And then it's also just really interesting to understand the wider perspective of something as you then go in as an actor to play one character playing one track through it. If you understand the wider perspective of that, of your role within all that, it gives you this amazing ability to have a kind of a worldview of that world that you're playing in. And so that, of course, then makes you do that in real life <laughs> like yeah. as simple as and and then um once i started working in prisons and then in workshops in brooklyn with young kids and then things like that and then i started my own relationship with mount joy one summer i just wanted to do it was actually the summer i started writing herself i uh, sought out to go in and do work in mount joy and that was when i really had a bit of a, a kind of wake up to the fact that um when you reach out and actually just want to do something for the sake of working with people, and mm. um, I suppose people could label that as quite oh that's very generous, so that's very like <laughs> stepping beyond the the usual thing or whatever. Um, actually, very you get a buzz, jo- yeah, jovial. it's a bit holy Joe, like, <laughs> yeah. and actually you're the one that gets a buzz out. Like yeah. I got a great yeah. buzz out of it, and I learned loads as well. Mm. Um, and there's only a benefit by that. Like, so that was kind of interesting that that time around 2014 when I just got the idea for the film I was also kind of starting to do stuff like that so I'd say it kind of came from there and then 
but in order to write herself and like get that spark was actually just somebody close to me um, getting evicted. Yeah. Um, which just made me really angry because she was a single mother with kids and she was really independent and had this fierce uh, kind of spirit and hard work and energy but uh, like thing about her where she felt like society like so she was judged a lot and I think it was kind of a time as well probably before Repeal the Eighth and everything where you still would really feel that judgment as a single mother, you know, in this country. So I suppose my anger at her situation spurred me to just, I guess I was fantasising for her and I was just Googling about self-building and it just led to this whole train of amazing, like, just discovery and and positive stuff, like yeah. solution-focused stuff, yeah. like the whole self-build thing, but also then, um, which you've highlighted in your book, like the times where we did sort out these things before in history and it's like, what's stopping it now? And yeah, I just found it really interesting. And that was that was kind of me going, okay, I actually have to be part of a story um, in my generation where we're not just going on about the problem of homelessness. I have to show a vision of the future or some sort of solution, um, but also show the reality of that journey, not just like a Disney happy ever after yeah, thing. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's it's an incredible, and, and I really encourage you, anyone who hasn't seen it, um, to try and see it. it it's, you know, powerful. And you talk about mm-hmm. that story and hope. And in a way, I hope, you know, we can go through some of that um, now. But there's something strikes me in terms of the, the homelessness that was there. It's interesting that you started writing in 2014 because that's when we saw this emergence of this new <clears throat> form of homelessness in yeah. Ireland, which was families with children and mainly lone parent mothers with children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, of course, links back to the austerity, the cuts that were happening, mm. to which particularly targeted lone parent, um, lone parents. The lone parent payment. Lone parent yeah. payment. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, as rents rose, single income households couldn't, you know, keep up with those rents. Welfare payments weren't covering the rents. Um, and it is incredible that still now, the majority of homeless families, there are, um, and their children, you know, we've, um, it, it, I don't know the exact figure to, I know we've three and a half thousand children who are homeless in emergency accommodation. Yeah. Um, and the majority of them, most of them are children of, of lone parent, uh, families. And there's something there that, you know, you said, you know, it was around before appeal when lone parents still, you know, there was, there wasn't, um, there was that prejudice, but in policy and mm. in practice, yeah, the prejudice is still there. Mm. The, yeah. A sense of blame for you put yourself in this position yeah. kind of thing. When yeah. it's just life, like we're just human beings and like some people can't stay in relationships together even though they have kids together. Or there's like a lot of, and as we've realised over the last few years, like a lot of, domestic yeah, violence. domestic violence is a huge yeah. thing. And also, thankfully, we're also more aware of um, just coerciveness and emotional and verbal and and, and that kind of abuse as well, where basically, um, cause what I learned from, from doing this film is there are a lot of people that just end up really, really badly gaslit yeah. and mentally absent, like they're ruined. So, but then they're also in a financial, uh, bind. Um, so they can't get out of something. But eventually when they do find that moment of self care and love and spark of like, actually, I need to get out, uh, which is the hardest step. <laughs> That's the most dangerous step. Uh, and they finally do. Then they're sort of met with a, well, there's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. And here is very little money. <laughs> and yeah. 
like um, there's not exactly another option. And, and it's so annoying because that's their their first step is their first step of actual self-determination. Yeah. And then to have it met with just like another wall is very hard. So like I feel like like yourself, like you're saying in the book, it's a lot of all this stuff that we're all seeking and the solutions and to this housing crisis and everything, the climate change, everything. It's all about a shift of um attitude. There's sort of like a um not a, maybe even deeper. It's just like a a deeper understanding of not just who we actually are as human beings, but who we can aim to be now. Like this, this homeless crisis, this, sorry, homelessness crisis. Like I used to have written across the, um, the top of the wall of my, um, storyboards, which was just posted. (laughs) But, um, I used to have, there was a couple of things above it all, which was on the left side, it was old world. And on the right side, it was new world. Cause I thought Sandra was the main character of herself. Sorry, was coming from an old world that she was in and she was trying to literally build her new world and her new life. But then above that, I also had written, there's a famous quote about every crisis is an opportunity. Mm. And I, I just like, I keep hanging on to that at the moment because mm. I'm like, it's really getting worse. Like in 2014, there was a few hundred fa- homeless families. Yeah. Now it's like thousands. thousands. Yeah. It's thousands. Like I actually thought by the time we were making the movie that this would have passed. Yeah. Like, so I find it really weird that like my movie is so zeitgeist because it actually took me five years to even get it shot. Then yeah. COVID hit and then it only released. You know, in 21, in 2021. So, uh, like, I think that's crazy. So yeah, I'm kind I, of hopeful, yeah, that yeah. it's a... No, it's interesting because I was listening to an interview, watching an interview with you on um, YouTube and you were describing that, that, mm. you know, you thought during, it was during COVID, of course, you know, when it came out, uh, when it was released. And it was similar in a way. Obviously, yours is a fantastic production, my completely different. My first book on housing, which mm. came out in 2020 as well, in the yeah. middle of COVID. And I remember thinking, oh, and you said the exact same thing. Mm. Oh, I think on on a good way, hopefully this isn't going to be needed in the same way. (laughs) Because, you know, and it's it's going to like not (laughs) be in the zeitgeist because COVID has hit and suddenly there's all these solutions being found for, um, you know, because, for example, the Airbnb was uh, not happening anymore and people were giving over that or it was being used, their accommodation was being used for homeless uh, families and individuals. And, um, you didn't, you had the eviction ban that was put in place during then, the rent mm-hmm. freeze. There mm-hmm. was a real sense that, oh, maybe we're going to solve this. And you know what? And all this yeah. effort was put in. And then as soon as 2021, as soon as the, the pandemic lifted at some level and, and they lifted that eviction ban like May last year, literally. And I remember being like, I remember the Minister for Housing getting up in the doll and saying, oh, I'm lifting the ban now. And look, there's no tsunami of homelessness. Like you said, he said those very words, the Minister for Housing. And I remember the time saying and other homeless agencies like Threshold and Focus were were pointing out, no, no, it's going to come. And here it is. Mm-hmm. And you go, it, it, it's so, you know, your movie is so important now that people see that and hear that because there was a sense and I think it was a lack of understanding and a lack of care on the state and government. They were like, ah, oh, homelessness is now sorted. Like that was their sense. And you were just going. Yeah. You know, it's now it's it's worse than ever. And um, yeah. And, and you got into the human story and you tell that human story. And how important do you think for you was that telling that? It was just um, what well, it was. Just it was. It was really vital to me 
I think because uh, since I was younger, actually, even as a kid, I used to sometimes wake up in the mornings and go, we can just do this better. <laughs> like initially when I was younger, just about the planet being like having a first world and a third world and we're what setting it on fire. Three or four? I'd say I was about, no, I, no, I, I still remember when I was nine discovering that we polluted the oceans and yeah. I had to be sent home from school. I cried. Wow. I cried so much about dolphins and, and orca whales. That's what happened. And then when I was in, uh, when I was about 12 or 13 in first year and I discovered about the first world, third world thing yeah. and the debt. Yeah. I got so angry that the, the teacher had to take me outside and like talk me down and all. I was like, I, you are actually joking that it's like that. Like, aren't you? Yeah. Like, I, I really couldn't believe it. So yeah. this is who you're talking to when you yeah. talk to me. So I think that's where my fire comes from yeah. to go. There has to be a better story of, of our planet and how we move forward. And so like, even though I'm not, um, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm not, I'm not a person in power, but I know whatever I can do, which is basically storytell on various levels through like, you know, singing, writing and acting, um, is like, I have to be part of that, the new narrative. And I feel like I've gone off point now, but basically, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of, what was the question again? (laughs) I've lost it now. The question is about the human story. The human story in it. Yes. Yeah. Strikes me what you just said there, what is that you have this, you know, empathy. And mm-hmm. this connection with other people and this sense of in, you know, injustice and standing up. And it, I think that's so amazing because it's so <laughs> important. Yeah. Because in a way, our education systems and the system growing mm. up takes that out of you, you know, and it mm. sort of tells you, okay, this is how it is. This is how it this is. This is how it is. And just accept it. And just accept this reality yeah. when actually we can create new realities. Of course like, we can. Of course we can do that. And it's, so frustrating and the thing is I've actually had a very recent sort of reacquaintance with the word justice I suppose Um, and I think because I think sometimes when I try and talk about stuff like this I can I can accidentally come across as uh, a bit Pollyanna or like too like oh we just have all the solutions like um, but I, I think it's because I have been to certain protests over the year and I, I developed a great friendship with Erica Fleming back then yeah. and was was standing with her when when we were trying to protest against all the stuff about the um, the temporary uh, accommodation and all that kind of thing where we, they were just pushed to the side of O'Connell Street I'll never forget this day when like the, like everything was just like blocked out of the way in the 16th centenary it was yes, like the, the whole yeah. It was just, yeah, Erica had the, the we were just being, she was just being ignored and pushed to the side, like literally yeah. in a parallel street. And Ray Darcy was there, like people, really important people were there wanting to stand by her and make it heard. And it wasn't like, it was really weird. Anyway, um, what I think is now is like, there's an element of like, we, we can't have an energy of just blame anymore and pointing the finger at the bodies that be you know the government whatever because what I feel happens in that moment is in a way when a bunch of people start just going you 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 it's your fault that I'm in this place it's your fault that I'm in this place you keep doing that you realise you're giving all of your energy to them and you're actually giving all your power to them that's what I've realised over over time, right? And I was like, so how, so what is it then? What is the nature of protest now? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is. But I do know that is there a way of, uh, as you do with your book, is like you're bringing solutions to the table. You're like, look, I know it's a mess, but you have to admit first that it's a mess. 
you have to take accountability. Just say, yeah, it's it's crap. And then can we actually just talk on a new level where we've like slightly f- just like let go of some stuff. And and I know that sounds, I don't want to sound like um, a hippie when I say that. I really mean this in a really pragmatic way is that we don't have time. We don't have too much time to keep shouting at each other. We just yeah. don't. The kids need houses. Yeah. Like they need houses. Like that's it. And when I researched um, for herself and I met this child psychologist once and I was asking her about like all the stuff to do with like the characters and herself where there's kids and there's mediation and all this kind of thing. And I remember asking her, because this came to me this morning when I was driving up to you. I remember asking her, um, what's, what's, what's the thing? What, what happens eventually like with these parents and these kids? Like the kids are the pawns in this battle. And she goes, oh, well, it's when they finally let go of their ego and stop fighting with each other. Mm. That's when we get progress. That's when the kids actually get what they need. They get their needs met. They get their wants met. And their parents are listening to them. And the parents have let go of fighting with each other anymore. And I feel there's an element of that has to happen on a mass level. Because these next eight, seven years now, we're in this kind of like, we're inside of this window of time to to sort of like try and turn the tide for the planet. And part of it is this housing thing. Mm. It's like, how can we do it? I don't know. Like I'm not, that's what I'm saying to you. Like I'm not, I'm not an expert, but what I've learned from the people I've met is like, there is something that has to shift, shift almost like, like energy wise, like all of us emotionally as well. It's like stop just listening with your heads as well. Like, I mean, the people in government, when they just come back, Basically, I, I find it hard to even listen to them in interviews because I feel like it's on this frequency that I can't actually listen to anymore. Yeah, I literally can't. I just go, I feel like you're basically saying something that's the same thing I heard in 2014 yeah. when yeah. I started writing this film. So I keep trying to source information from different places and different podcasts like yours and other places to try and actually understand what's going on and 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 come out of it a more solution focused way and and a realistic way because there does have to be justice there does have to be accountability and then there has to be a step-by-step process where we work with people from a place of and on a base level that people are not um lazy good for nothing they just want to soak up you know you have to come from a place of like everybody is equal and everyone is on some level doing their best like when when i studied all this stuff there was all this amazing uh, there were these things done in London by this guy Walter Segal who came back from he he he, he would have went to London um, just after the war like World War 2 and he um, along with loads of other uh, people that escaped the war were in sort of like council housing or, or put like looked after as best they could as, mm-hmm. as incoming um, refugees in London and what happened was him and his family were in this totally run down house in, um, I think it might have been Lewisham. I'm not sure which area of London, so forgive me. Yeah. But basically it was so badly run down and he's this architect, right? So he came up with this uh, design of a very quick house to build in the garden while they fix up the main house. Yeah, yeah. And so he came up with this kind of like uh, timber framed house that they could build really fast. So they built it and then realised it was better than the house yeah. that they were trying to fix up. Yeah. And the the county councils were very interested in this and all this kind of thing happened where basically they created um, 
schemes of self-building. Yeah. So they, I think they eventually did it only in like, I don't know if it was the 70s or 80s. I actually wrote down some notes about it. But they were basically schemes of self-building and uh, it was all funded and people learned skills along the way. And he oversaw it along with another guy, another engineer or, you know, like um, qualified, like kind of labour guy. Yeah. So basically there have been versions of, um, you know, self-building communities that have already happened and I went and visited then the people yeah. in Lewisham in that street in the mm. Segal way and these houses are amazing and they are so cheap to build and um, now I know we have a kind of modern day version of this like with the flat pack houses and all these kind of other things but it's sort of like realising for me realising that these things have been done before but then not really um, they didn't take off or they were yeah. just like quashed down or they just weren't really in mainstream media it just kind of blows my mind I'm just like we have all these solutions yeah, <laughs> like yeah, let's go anyway I'm waffling on about no, that no, but that, no, that's, no. I, that's I think yeah. it's really important because and, and you know that you talk about that idea of self-building and, and communities and individuals being supported to do that mm. because it is a fundamentally different way than we provide housing at the moment and mm-hmm. it is because it's a fundamental challenge to it as well because when you peel it back there's a lot of people, or not a lot of people, there are some, some people who make a lot of money from the way things are at the moment, be yeah. they large developers, landowners, you know, some multiple property owners, landlords and um, estate agents. There's a whole layer of people who make a lot of money from it. And mm. this idea of, you know, self-building and self-empowerment and, you know, cheaper ways of delivering housing you know, disturbs that system and, and mm. it reduces the amount of money they can make. So I think there is also an issue that certain interests are dominating and too influential over our government and that then mm. these ideas don't get support because they mess with the system, you know, yeah. and, and they they are an alternative. But I think, you know, you're so right and it's it's because we do have to provide hope and alternatives and it's not just about housing mm-hmm. it is about the planet it is about climate and it is mm. about people and how we treat each other yeah. um and i think that from what you know i'm hearing in you and i really you know connect with it is that idea of you know us being able to as human beings like look after each other and have a different value mm. framework and say the way things are now is not right and it can be different and it should be yeah. different um and I think like that's not Pollyanna and lots of people say that to me as well all the time as well oh you're just a Pollyanna no, and you know don't talk yeah. cheese and you know that's just as I get you know, all the time by uh, and of course there are often people who have interest in the way the system is at the moment <laughs> yeah. and making money off it uh, say oh that's ridiculous and that's never going to happen and I had um, uh, one of the big uh, private developers uh, Michael O'Flynn saying that to me, your thing, your ideas are never going to happen, like with all his conviction of a big developer. And I said, well, maybe they will, but, or mm. maybe they won't, but you know, I think they should. And I think that there needs to be room and there has to be room for thinking differently and then doing it as well. Yeah. But where does he, where does his uh, voice really come from? It comes from fear. Like all of these things are like based in, like if you look at people Agreed. like, Greed, but what, but what does the greed come from? You see, I think it's a fear that there is like a, some sort of finite amount of everything on this mm. planet and this like lack, 
like that there's just not enough to go around. It's like, well, wake up because the plant, like the population expands. We are as humans, we develop, we grow, we expand in, in what we do as well. It's like, so therefore we have to expand our idea of what all of this can be. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's so, it's so annoying that those people think that there's just not an, like, it annoys me because I go deep down and that person is somebody that's um, afraid there's not going to be enough for themselves or their own family as well. And there's like, they need this security. It's insecurity. Like, I, I feel like there's a similar similarity in these people to the kind of monster in my film, which is like her abusive partner yeah. um, in the story of herself. Sandra's an abusive partner called Gary. I had to really engage with Gary because I was writing him. Mm. I had to be him. I had to channel him. Yeah. You know? And, um, and I was like, there's this insecurity and this like fear that there's not enough to go around and that they, they have to ha- have all the marbles over here. <laughs> like, yeah. and you can't take this. It's like, it actually is so. It's not very uh, grown up, in my opinion. Actually, no. it's quite childish, yeah. and it's 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 fear based and it's insecurity. And I actually think we need to we need to get beyond that place. Like we all need to. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, we do absolutely, and you're right. And, and you know there is a, a psychological foundation yeah. to all this behaviour. And you're absolutely right. You know to say that you know when you when you look at it, even our politicians and they talk about that in government and businesses that mm. you know sociopaths are the ones who are promoted and get to the top because they literally are willing to screw over whoever and mm. you know do not have have empathy and do not you know think about or or you know engage on a, on an emotional level with the consequences of their actions and mm. um I'm always struck by that in the, in the discussion around homelessness and how this this constant othering of those who are homeless and um even you know Leo Vradkar said it like oh there are many reasons why someone becomes homeless mm. and you're going yeah there, there might are, be but yeah. if you're not providing a home and the foundation of a place where they can go to um then those other issues of course become the visible manifestation of why someone appears to be homeless like domestic violence you could say they became homeless because they were fleeing domestic violence, but they didn't become homeless because they were fleeing domestic violence. They became homeless because they had nowhere else to go to. Mm-hmm. There was no housing mm-hmm. support system put in place for those who are fleeing domestic mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I think there is a lot in that. And why does, you know, Leo Varadkar or others hold that viewpoint in their head or this developer, as you're saying, mm-hmm. why do they have those uh, values and viewpoints and you're right a lot mm. of it is about things of course it's things that happened in their lives what shaped them you know what shaped yeah, them yeah do we need to just experience? send them all to a, a retreat and uh, cop on to themselves <laughs> just come here man like stay yeah. with me like just okay, understand exactly. me you know sit no while, just sit for know? a while be still um, and, and uh, someone was asking me do you yeah. think like um, you know Leo Varadkar and them should just, like go spend time in homeless accommodation I that's a fantastic idea of course yeah. they should empathy empathy yeah. you, know, be, you know sit there sit there just sit there for hours and end staring at the wall and mm-hmm. see how you feel and think about that think, think about it then and I do think that in all of us that there is these sides of us. And, you know, it's what type of humans are we nurtured to be? Mm. And what type of... And and there's a great book um, I I recommend. Another book is called A Hopeful History of Humankind. 
um, by Rutger Bremen. I don't know if you've come Never across heard it. Never it, no. It's a recent enough one. Um, and he writes about and he challenges the whole idea that we're all inherently selfish. And that's, oh, you know, yeah, this, no, this idea that, which is what our system promotes at the moment that, you know, you work hard, you get to the top and you're there because you're worth it. And that's what you do when you look yeah, after yourself. Yeah. And, Whereas he went, no, that's not what the history of humanity shows. It actually shows we look after each other, you know, but the type of economic system and social system we have, you know, the the values that we're taught in school, that's what nurtures us as well. And at the moment, we've one that looks on us and our Mm. thoughts and ideas has been a bit off the wall. (laughs) Which is ironic. (laughs) The sociopaths. And the values of greed yeah. and selfishness and fear are the ones that are promoted. I think it's strange. Basically, on a on like if you look at it real simply, it's like before the industrial revolution, actually in Ireland before colonization, um, or anything like that. Uh, just that, as you have pointed out in your book, and I've said many times, and loads of people are saying it. It's like we used to work in like metals and communities, yeah, yeah. and there was a natural cycle of life, and it was just like a given, and it was like necessity meant we just made. Houses like a new family's being born, or you know, this couple's getting together, they're going to have a family. So we all get together, we build them a gaff, give them whatever, uh, a few chickens and a and a cow to get started. Yeah. And it wasn't looked at as um, that wasn't looked at as like those sponges. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Taken yeah. up. This was a this was a buzz for everyone to get yeah, involved in, yeah. and that's what I was trying to reconnect to in herself mm. on some level was like who we were before the industrial revolution then all this technology and and, and colonization certainly in Ireland and and certain countries on the planet is like it's quite simple isn't it it's really like so we had all this industrial thing happen suddenly then uh, houses were not just homes for people it became this whole other thing then we got all this technology as well and now people have all these other highfalutin jobs and skilled stuff and we have farming we have all the so, so, so everything really hyper developed really fast but it's almost like us in our own human nature just as like animals as like emotional thing like as it's like we haven't quite caught up with that or something yeah, and yeah. it's like we need to just join the dots like and imagine that time is not linear and just like do, do a full circle on it and just go I wonder can we just reintroduce those things that were actually quite healthy <laughs> just yeah. bring them back to the front as well because in fact I really think like Leo all the lads you know whoever they are uh, the the people that are freaked out and want to own five or ten properties for some reason um, look like I want to be able to say to them, like, you can have that as well, but I wonder, can you do it in a fair way and just rent out your property out of fair rent? That's all. Like, like, is there a way that you can have your cake and eat it, but like, we all don't have to absolutely die? Like, <laughs> like, surely we can all do this better. Like, is it, as in, like, I really don't think there's, there's any fear of, um, people not getting what they want or anything. Like, I think it's all possible, but it's just, we're going to have to fucking do our homework here. Like, we're yeah. just going to have to, you know, um, and and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the person with all the answers, but certainly from my research and the people I met, I was like, oh my god, I have met the people with the answers, with the plans. They like there was an exhibition on in um, 
the Science Gallery. Did you see that in the last couple of months where they literally have modelled out plans, all these amazing architects and uh, uh, like with with with, a, with an eye on climate change and also trying to help the urban side of things and the city centre of Dublin. They did things like they have these amazing designs. One of them was like taking over a church. This was in Trinity. Oh my God. It was the Architecture Foundation. Yes, yeah. I yeah. loved yeah, it. it. it I just, this is what we need. We yeah. need actual and you need to just bring in people to look at that and go like, look, you actually have visible solutions. Like we, the designs are there. Yeah. So yeah. like go. Yeah. Like we have it. Yeah, we do. We actually we do. have it. And the question is, how do we get it? And I think you're absolutely yeah. right to talk about the positive. You know, what, <clears throat> you know, what I try to do that it's not, it's not enough to just protest. I do think we do need to protest. Oh, no, we do. Yeah. Because people, you know, you need to see, and, and we can see it now with the, you know, with the far right organizing people because mm-hmm. they're saying, Oh, look, blame the immigrants. And we need to organize people and say, look, actually the real cause is government decisions mm-hmm. and the way we organize our housing system. It's not immigrants and refugees. So I yeah. think people do need to give, be given the space to vent their anger and upset and mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they are, su- and they're mm-hmm. suffering. They're mm-hmm. very, very real pain and suffering that they are going through and um, those children those families the hundreds of thousands of families who are living in insecurity and overcrowding and um, they need that space but we also need to you're right to take on it to go on that journey and say look there are different ways of doing this yeah we don't have to you know allow all these vacant and derelict buildings but it does mean challenging definitely private property mm-hmm. And how that is viewed, like landlords say, and owners of vacant and derelict property and land go, that's mine. I could do whatever I want with it. Mm-hmm. And we need to say, well, no, we make decisions around this yeah. as a society. I absolutely agree. I think it's like um, there's account. That's what I'm saying. Justice, accountability, like these things need to be met head on. And 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 that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you skip that step in any sense, because there's no way I got anywhere making herself by not having moments of anger. I had people tell me I will never make that film and that would never happen in Dublin, like right from the off. And I am a person that had to push through those yeah, walls. Yeah. So I know. And how did you? The idea wouldn't leave me and I just kept waking up going, no. Like, I just had faith in the idea. I just had faith in it. I was like, I I literally, to be honest, I think you do get to a point as well when you're also, I was part of the kind of, um, I'm part of the sort of, uh, the, not, I don't want to say invisible homeless, but I am the sofa surfer. I am the person that had no actual home for a few years while writing this film. Right. You know what I mean? Like I had to, I had to stay in my parents for a few months at one point and then I lived with my sister uh, here and there and then I would go to London when I got work finally here and there because like, I I struggled with work for phases and it wasn't like, I'm not saying poor me, I'm saying it's just, that's acting yeah, life. That's, like, that's, do you know what I mean? Reality, yeah. So anytime I even could get a job, even in London, I'd just go and do a, a cheap sublet there yeah. and I would live out of a suitcase and then I would come back. Like, so I experienced a nomadic ex- like existence for the few years leading up to the shoot to the point where, and I had to sit down with Element and go, right, I actually don't have anywhere to live while we shoot the film. So I need, is there any way that I can use, can you pre, can you give me five grand yeah. uh, in advance so I can just find somewhere to rent? Yeah. And they couldn't believe that I was asking this and they 
like I, I could tell that it took a like it took a lot for out of my pride to do that but I yeah. also was like I am a person of this okay so yeah. I need to I need I need help basically yeah. I said to them and they were like so they found money in the budget to get a flat for me in Grand Canal so I could be close to where the set yeah. is and everything yeah. and I had to be in the and the fucking the rent was it's like two and a half grand a month or something I was only there for two months like yeah. mad money um, but um I, in that moment, um, I, like, I, I'm saying it to you now because I, sh- I, sh- I don't feel ashamed of that moment actually mm. because I, I feel like in that way, then I am, I am telling the story I need to tell because I didn't, I don't want it to be like that anymore. Yeah. And I could see they knew that it took a lot for me to do that, but I had to because I was like, if you want me to be able to deliver this role, I need, I need, um, a safe, I need a home that is like, I, that's what I, I can't be in my parents way over the other side of Dublin in just one room and having to deal with like five other people in a house in the morning. I need to get, I need to be close to the set. I needed a, whatever it was, um, at the time, which that I'm not saying that by the way to get pity I'm saying I wanted to be a person that was not afraid to ask for the right kind of help which is something that I'm obsessed with and so with these people that we're dealing with every day is like it's trying to say to them like I'm not looking for a handout of a house because I'm too lazy to build a house. I'm saying I'm so underwater here. I am trying to make the end of the week. I'm trying to make the end of the month. I am asking you for the start of my life that I will pay for that I will happily pay for and earn I am not asking you to give me a handout I'm not looking for plaster over a bullet wound I'm I'm looking for bring me into the hospital let's get in there get the crap out of the wound and then send me out and I will look after this like there's a kind of mentality that just has to shift and um so I've gone off the point there but basically it's just that I know what it's like to be in the invisible kind of homeless in, in inverted commas because I wasn't actually home. I, I, I know no, what it's no, like to that, be really homeless a, but I had an emotional experience yeah. of it and then I would volunteer and work with Peter McFerry and all this kind of thing and realise like uh, the homelessness uh, is is one factor of someone's life as you were saying earlier on it is not everything and they need to see that what was the thing I was trying to get at there though about no, the lads I, I think, I think that for me, you know, and, and to understand, it's not about pity at all. That is a reality. Yeah. For a generation. For a generation, totally. That, like the figures, there's no official figures on that hidden homelessness. Yeah. But the Simon community did a survey and it oh, came yeah. out, I think maybe Simon two or community, three months brilliant. ago. Yeah, absolutely fantastic work. They did a survey and their estimation, I, I tried to think of the exact figure, but it was hundreds of of thousands and when they broke it down Mm. by age category Mm -hmm. and I think I was trying to analyze and I think it could have been one in 10 of people between 20 and 24 one in 10 were had experienced some form of hidden homelessness Mm -hmm. that's so surfing in the last year which is a phenomenal like that Mm. is you know so your experience and I hear it all the time people contact me all the time people in good jobs saying I am literally sleeping out of my car Mm -hmm. and like the figures on the amount of um, those 20 to 35 who are living at home with their parents still Mm -hmm. like it used to be in Ireland people left home at 20 21 you know or even late teens Mm -hmm. and they became independent Mm -hmm. now the majority of people in their 20s and even into their 30s 
are living at home in mm. their parents' house where they feel infantilized. They feel, and that is a form yeah. of, of homelessness in a sense of, yeah. it, you do it's arrested development it as is. well. It's unfair arrested development. Like, look, look, we're, I'm not an idiot. Like some people will be slow to move forward in life yeah, and they're a little bit like mad out of it and they have to be whatever yeah, in their twenties. And some people want to, and some people want to yeah, emigrate and, and do that. And yeah. some people, blah, blah, blah. But at the moment, there is definitely like, I mean, I felt very, I'm a very independent person. I had a paper round when I was 10. I was working my ass off yeah. since the word go. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? I got myself into college by working four jobs. I had to fight for everything that I did. I had to work so hard. So I'm, I'm, I, I know what it takes to be independent and, and achieve that and all that. But holy God, to be shoved back into an infantilized mode in my life several times right into like even when I was like 31 yeah like when you're in your 30s to have to go back to saying your parents like no like it's just when you've already left if you're a person that was happy to do that all the way through fine but when you've already left and had your own life and travelled the planet a bit and all and then have to come back it's a nightmare but anyway I think overall uh, yeah there's just there's an unseen homelessness Mm. thing going on there's also now I think people that are there's young people that are like 18, 19, 20 that are really angry about the situation but there's also a lot of them that are complacent and like I'll probably live at home till I'm like 28, 29 like that's a given now for them in their heads they they actually think that's the way it is now that's what's happened they actually think that's the way it is that's the way it is whereas like I mean my parents had me at 19 (laughs) they had a council house by the time they were 20 and then they bought their own eventually You know, when they were 28 or whatever. Like, that's crazy. It is crazy. That's absolutely mental. It is. is. And, you know, and there there are positives in terms of people can, you know, live with parents and Mm -hmm. mind parents. And, you know, there's generational experience. But if it's a forced situation and if it's a situation where people can't go out and artists, I know, like uh, talking um, to them. And again, they're contacting me and, and saying like, you know, that anyone who's creative now is going to Berlin. (laughs) <laughs> that's what it seems to happen say, if you're creative go to Berlin that's yeah, yeah, it if you're Leave. creative in Ireland you, you, that's it and it's like this acceptance amongst our government and people that ah oh, it's okay to emigrate you know and sure we all did it and it's like hang on a minute you know it happens emigration causes massive loss it causes loss of talent mm. loss of relationships loss of children and I connect it back to that psychology um, thing about a repression of our feelings mm. that we don't express loss grief in a really open way and talk about it in Ireland now your no. you know, generation and is, is much much better um, and it is changing yeah. and you know and I think that's part of the hope in, in you know what you were talking about as well the values change and the generational change around marriage equality and repeal and I think part of it needs to be that we don't just accept these situations that we mm. talk about the emotional cost of them and, and mm. the impact of them and as you know say that just keep expressing about it and also reconnect as we were saying to the earlier version of ourselves I just read that book Listen to the Land Speak by Mangan Mangan Man- I can never say his name Mangan um, Mangan yes Mangan. it's, uh, it's uh, yeah it's fabulous. massive massive mm. and um, mm. I read his uh, I read recently his one uh, what is it I can't remember the number of ways to say field in Irish 
And oh yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Thirty two yeah, ways, yeah, 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 yeah. ways or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. read that one, but I read that recent book that he brought out. Yeah, that made me realize, like, because he has a lot in there about um, our unhealed um, kind of trauma about mm. the famine and stuff, mm. and I kind of go like, sometimes the key to all this stuff is, um, it is within the problem or something. There's something inside of it that's going to explode and show us. Like, I feel like. It, there's loads of people emigrating at the minute like like people had done in the famine but now it's like we're doing it to ourselves like we're doing this to ourselves we don't even have to be colonised we're gaslighting ourselves yeah. we're yeah. ruining ourselves here yeah. on this in this land and actually like let's Our remind ourselves which is crazy right like so let's remind ourselves of um, the fact that we are we are considered like as an island we are considered such big storytellers and but also visionaries. Yeah. You know, like, we have such potential in this country to do so much. And I love the fact that there's now this self-building school starting up with Harrison Gardner and everything down in um, County Clare. Like, there's all these things starting to happen where people are, it seems like, I feel like it seems like people are being quiet about the housing crisis. It's that they're tired. They've given up pointing their energy one direction and they're just saving money going down to do courses like that. Yeah. Where they're going and just doing, they're trying to find some way of a solution, but they're not maybe shouting about it and they yeah. are doing it. And I think eventually all these things that are happening, like people just going off and building houses for themselves or finding a bit of land somewhere, uh, going and doing these courses. I think, I think the quiet revolution will start to come in. I feel like this instinct that like maybe there's just going to be a lot of us that, we're not going to shout about it at first. We're just going to do it. Yeah. We're just yeah. going to do it, actually, because I think they don't get it. And, you know, like, so, like, if you're, an, if you're, re, like, if you're just a person anyway in life that just is able to see something easily in your head, like, vision it, some of the people can't do that. Like, they just can't. They just accept what is and they can't because they're so bogged down in what is happening or what is around them. They just don't see a way. They can't feel it. And in a way, sometimes, uh, you just have to show them. Mm. So I think there's like, I think there's going to be all these different ways through our communities and through smaller groups of people that that can happen. I, I don't know. I don't know how to get in at the, at the policymakers or the, the people at the top. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I, I think though you're right. And I think there's a great, great sense of hope in that. And, mm. and in a way we can, you know, continue the path of, the journey of of you know you talk about healing the famine you know the you know the exploitation and the healing the famine she says <laughs> <laughs> healing the famine healing the mother and baby homes healing the yeah you know the abuse that's yeah, that happened within families the abuse that the church did you know that there are there, we are a traumatized nation mm. and as someone said we're a nation haunted by our past. <laughs> And yet, we're only discovering how to actually speak to each other mm. and even speak to ourselves and understand ourselves <laughs> with the recent advent of therapy in Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, that therapy. <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Like, you know, yeah. it, 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 but the, the, the mental health, and that's why I think the mental health discussion in Ireland is so important because it's tapping into something deep, deep that we yeah. have repressed for hundreds and hundreds of years and trauma that we've experienced. And and I think in a way there's a power in that. 
there's a power in us and you saw it unleashed in marriage equality unleashed in repeal yeah and there's a love behind it as well which is mm -hmm. hopeful i think yeah that there is a love there in ireland that we say we're a caring country and we are we're a small country too and we're a community country and that gives us real pathways to absolutely achieve the change that you know, we're talking about, and I think the idea of self-building is fantastic because the thing I that comes to my head is it shouldn't be just about can you find a bit of land? We have so God much damn. public land. Yeah. So yeah. much. So there much. is no reason why, and mm. we have so much money now. There's no reason why the government couldn't say, you know, here's a new scheme whereby we allocate X number of hectares of land to self-build people who want to go build. We will grant fund you. We will train you and we will give you the land. You can't ever sell that property, let's say, in the market. It will always be an affordable home. And if you want to sell it, you sell it to someone else who needs an affordable home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it doesn't it seem so easy <laughs> when does. you say it like it that? Does. So, like, it so. Yeah. But like, that's that's why it's so frustrating because you're like. That's like, <laughs> what's going on? So, so, so that's why I'm always like, I feel like these people are hanging on to something that they think they need to hang on to that they just don't. I don't know. It's like when, once you've gone and on that trip of like, like I remember going and just learning loads about the Aborigines when I was in Australia on tour with a theatre show, uh, during the time when I was, you know, researching and writing this. And, and then, um, and then when you read a book like what Mancon's written, <laughs> it's almost funny. That we think as humans that we draw lines on the planet and we say this bit's mine and that's yeah. bit yours. Like yeah. it's so funny. Yeah. It actually is such a load. It's an idea that we've made up yeah. Yeah. because the native Indians and everything and, and Aborigines and the Irish people back in our Celtic days or whatever or pagan days, uh, the land was like something we spoke and listened to. Yeah, yeah. Like we spoke and listened to the land and we spoke and listened to each other. And it's like we've forgotten this basic cyclical nature that exists and that um, like the earth is bigger than us. <laughs> we don't like control her. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Her, yeah. him, whatever the earth yeah. is. But I just yeah. mean we don't like, you know what I mean? It's constantly reminding us <laughs> that there is a balance, that there is an e eco balance and that we have to uh, work with it, not against it. And it's like th just just it's almost laughable sometimes when when people start still still go on like and it's funny because we're bit's the ones mine. who are laughed at for saying things like that like for saying that it can be completely different and should be completely different and yeah utopians and and it's like going well actually there has to be a point at which we go do you know what this just doesn't work. This doesn't yeah, work. And, I, yeah. And you're right in what you're saying then that people are doing it now. And that's what, you know, I'd love to mm. find out more about. And I want to talk more about it. And our listeners would as well that to see, okay, where are these seeds happening? Where are these people mm. doing these things that can be replicated? Mm -hmm. And let's do it and let's talk about it and let's amplify it and let's get it done everywhere. Yeah. Well, that. Harrison Gardner's thing, that building course thing that's starting up is amazing. I'm going to try and do one myself this year, but um, it's in County Clare. So they're after getting enough for the deposit for the land and now they're going to build the school itself first and yeah. then and then teach. But like it's things like that. And then I remember actually I found Clock, Clock Jordan Village very 
inspiring yeah. as well and Paddy Car- Kirby down there yeah, yeah, and yeah. then Padder sorry yeah. and then uh, there's another place in Bray is it called Common Ground Common, Common Ground Sa- in Bray yeah. as well yeah, well, yeah. Th- uh, that you've already sorry mentioned millions of times so I feel like I'm repeating all your no, stuff no 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 but no, no, no. it's, um, it's, um, it's important but that, in the in terms of my experience yeah. right it's like in the story of herself Sandra builds a house now, there's two things that happens there. There's the spark of determination in her and self-love in her and self-belief in her to go, I'm going to build this house. But the next thing that happens is she has to ask people for help. Yeah. Okay. Um. But what happens there is the right kind of help because that is the to build, that is a, a healthy interdependence that happens in that community. And, um, and what happens in the process of that is unreal like there's, there's an element of the builder as a kind of I don't know Jungian type of character or, or, or in what sense I feel like I've learned from doing building myself right that there is something really really special about it that like I wish a politician or somebody could actually experience the journey of going and even just doing a building course let alone building a house mm. because there is a day by day thing that happens where you have to be quite patient some days and just do sort of like nicky nacky little things for ages. Like you're, you're tapping away, tapping away at something for ages. And then one day, suddenly the structure is up, yeah. like in one day. Yeah. And you suddenly feel like there's this version of um, practical magic. Yeah. Because it's not magic. It's practical, but it feels magic in moments because you've literally created something that didn't exist there yeah. a few days before. And the journey goes on and on and on. It keeps going. It gets more intricate. And then you're suddenly you're putting in doors and you're, you've done the insulation. Then there's the windows and then like, and it goes on this whole thing. And Sandra built a house with all these people in the film, but Claire built a film with all these people in Dublin. There was this family in Clontarf that gave us, gave us a garden to build the house in. Not only that, they ha- they own a local pub and they let that pub be where Sandra works. And they were so kind to us. Yeah. And then all the communities around the areas that we worked, they couldn't do enough for us because when they heard what the story was about, yeah. it yeah. tapped something in them. Yeah, course, and that's yeah. because when you start building, there's this weird thing that happens where I'm, I'm not kidding, if anyone listening ever decides to do a self-build course or if you've ever even decide to make anything something happens for me it happened anyway when I went and did the self-build course in, in Wales I felt like something woke up inside my DNA like it was like something in me was going this just feels so natural to me Yeah, it feels so right and it feels like I don't care how long it's going to take I'm really enjoying doing it like and I, I, I don't know what that is, Rory, because like, I'm not some expert. But then as I did the journey of writing Sandra, um, there was all these crazy alliances between the journey of building a house, being out in the fresh air, doing a good day's work, blah, 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 and joins up with the healing of trauma. Yeah. So when you're working with somebody who has PTSD or trauma or whatever, there's all these things that are really healing for somebody to do. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't believe how much of it is in a, in a self-built. Yeah. Like it was so weird when I was writing the film. I was like, this is mad. Like everything that she's doing in the building of the house is literally healing the trauma in her body. Yeah. Um, now there's moments where she explodes and she has to let it out. 
like you're saying, there's yeah. moments of anger, there's moments of grief, there's all these things. They have to come up and rise up out of the body and release. And that does happen with Sandra. But there's also this thing that happens where she gets to voice her story. Like we as a nation, we have to be able to voice our story of who we are. Uh, right from back, maybe from the famine, I don't know, onwards. But like, therefore then, who are we now? Like, mm. and we do have a choice. Mm. We really, 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 really do. Um, and I certainly, like when I was writing Sandra in the film and how I had this whole thing where I was flipping the end. Um, bedtime story yeah. moment in the film and she so her kid tells the story of St. Bridget like I don't know how that came to me I still like the night that I went for some reason I want to look up St. Bridget I don't know why yeah. I did this yeah. that is from our pagan days yeah and that's in the story for a reason. It's like the kid is going to the mom like, yeah, well, St. Bridget just kind of went up to the king and asked yeah, yeah, <laughs> for yeah, the land, like, yeah, you know, yeah. to build on. And and she said, I'll just have as much as this cloak can cover. Yeah, and then the cloak yeah. expands or whatever, yeah. you know, there's a bit of magic yeah. in it or whatever. But like, that's kind of all we're looking for. We're like, we're not, we're not, we're not. It's like you want to say to the to all the people with the money, it's like, I'm not trying to take everything off you. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. actually enough to go around for everyone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just keeps coming back to that for me. It does, it does. And I think there is a real opportunity in reconnecting with our history. Yeah. Our long, long history, as you're talking about there, yeah. that is um, magical and utopian in its own way because mm. of its simplicity in its connection to nature, land, what we are as people and as yeah. humans. And I think that. But is also practical. Is also. It's so practical. Absolutely practical. You know? Absolutely practical in the sense of delivering mm. and, um, housing. And, you know, that is, it gives dignity and that's brilliant. No, I really, do. and I, I think it's, I, I really, I have to believe it's possible after everything I've been through with all this. I have to. Because well, I, 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 I became well, it no because I made the film. Yeah. See, because I, mean, I made the film, yeah. I know things can be done. <laughs> so it's like, I, you, you know what I mean? It's like I've shot myself in the foot now because I'm like, I'm an eternal optimist. But that's, yeah, that's probably. So we have to do it yeah. now. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. It's make, like, it's, we're like a night guard here. Just do it. <laughs> We're yeah, gonna, let's quote one of the big brands. We're gonna, we're gonna make world. it. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> Bang on message there. Just do it, will you? <laughs> um, we have to create the movement, and it's starting, and mm. we will. And um, no, listen. In terms of you and where you're mm. going next, and what you're doing, what are you up to? I'm weirdly writing. Um, <laughs> I'm writing a film, but. I, <laughs> Sorry, I'm holding back from this now. It's basically you don't have a, to talk about it. If you no, want no, no. I, I, I'm writing a film, but it, the the short version is going to be on in Dublin Film Festival, so it'll be on uh, in February. Uh, so I've kind of got a, sh- a short film that's called One Good Conversation. Okay. Apt, isn't it, for Very this apt. podcast, Rory? <laughs> all your good conversations that you have with people, but um, because it if is only actually one of them was good. <laughs> if only one of them. <laughs> But basically, it's about um yeah it's kind of, it's basically a love story, but it is slightly about the fact that um 
some of the conversations you have in life can change your life. They can yeah. change the path of your life. Yeah. Sometimes if you meet the right person, they say the right thing to you or not the right thing, but like something can shift hugely for you. And yeah. I think, um, so it's, it's, it is a, it is a film about two people that are figuring out a relationship, um, and with their kid and everything. Um, but actually it's sort of about, um, how conversations are so powerful sometimes. And that's why I think in the end, yeah, conversation, like mm. true talking and listening. Like they've done with um, rebuilding communities up with the north-south divide. Yeah, yeah. That's how things get solved. So I suppose that's kind of behind my story. But otherwise, I'm doing a nice film with Eva Berthissel soon and I'm going to be in a film with Killian Murphy. What? Oh, but good. only a tiny role, but it's still a really nice um, film. And then, yeah, I'm going to just see what happens. You I'm going to try and... More famouser. Famouser being the ideal word here. Yeah, that's a real word. Famouser. Rory said, I'm going to be famouser, everyone. You so are, I just want to point that are. out. Yeah. Claire Dunn's going to be famouser. Exactly. <laughs> famouser and even famouser. Um, but, and I'm and doing something wonderful. for Women's Aid though soon because they're, they're basically, um, they're using St. Bridget's Day as a day to really highlight, um, uh, women, you know, in, in situations uh, with women's, but they're kind of renaming that day. Of course, I don't have the details to hand, okay. but I'm going to be part of a big thing on the, on St. Bridget's Day as well to I do it. People can check yeah. That out I'm going to have to put stuff online because I'll probably be on set at the time. But, um, yeah, the, I just want to stay attached to the issues that I've now become very, you know, passionate about, yeah, like yeah, housing absolutely. and domestic violence. Yeah. And also, like, I feel like kids, in general as well so I'm trying to I'm going to try and get a bit more involved with them stuff like that but yeah Brilliant. that's that's what I'm hoping for well listen thank you so much for giving your time thanks and having a famous person on the podcast is only how famous, many times can you say that as many I love as it I, as many as I need to that is the good thing about it being my podcast I can say whatever the fuck I want do you know what's so funny is like I've literally been famous since some random weekend and uh September 21 because I was not famous before <laughs> Kin or herself came out so and what is it like to be famous? Fuck <laughs> <That> off <laughs> The one good thing about being slightly known in Dublin is just that like at least people say, like like the things I'm in if they didn't like I think they'd also say it to me <laughs> They would of course They would of course yeah. That's the good thing about Irish people that always yeah. tell you the truth um, exactly. or what they really think exactly. but thank you so much for having me on I feel really honoured to be on this podcast so you thanks You're doing your I do. <laughs> I've listened to so many of them. You're part of my research, so thank you. You're very welcome. I'm delighted to be able to help out in that way. Listen, Claire Dawn, thank you so much for coming on Reboot Republic today. No I hope to have you back at some point in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And let's change this country. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you to listeners and we'll talk to you all very soon. <laughs>